Welcome to this episode of Bob Cooney's VR Deep Dive Podcast. In this series, Bob connects you with some of the leading innovators and thinkers in location-based VR. Let's step to 50,000 feet. Yeah. And this notion of like you guys came to market with a pretty proprietary hardware stack, yes. right? Of servers and tracking systems and, and backpacks. And yep. you had to invent everything. You That's literally true. had to cobble together a stack that was really complex, yep. therefore really expensive. Yes. Now all of a sudden we're seeing a democratization of hardware, backpack computers from HP and MSI, et cetera, Zoltac. Yep. You've got tracking systems now. Lighthouse 2.0 is opening up the space. And I know yep. people that are tracking. I've played a six-player 1,000 square foot yeah, Lighthouse 2.0, yeah. and it's going to go to 2,000 square feet. So Lighthouse 2.0, people are figuring that out. Yeah. So I see this split between inside-out tracking yeah. and Lighthouse 2.0 tracking, and there's going to be two branches. They're both going to be democratized and kind of off the shelf. Like the work you're doing with Microsoft, I assume, yeah. is going to work its way into the platform to make it easier for your competitors yeah. to buy that shit and compete with you. So talk about that, like the yeah. democratization of hardware and platforms, and what does that mean to the operator, and what does it mean to you and yeah. from a competitive landscape? Yeah, that's a good question. Like the reason that we've gone down, like we experimented extensively with Lighthouse. We experimented with active tracking, optical aptitude tracking. We experimented with radio frequency stuff, all sorts of crazy shit, to be honest, we, we put into the mix and came out with slam tracking for a variety of reasons. And um it's interesting to see as all new headsets get announced, they're all slam track. Yeah. Because nobody wants to set up a beacon. Ain't no one got time for that. And it's also, even with a, like our experimentation with the lighthouse, it has its limitations. It really does. When you, when you, and I think your point's really good about that, you know, that zero to one's hard, but one to five is, or one to two is super difficult. So, yes, you can get it running as a tech demo, but then getting it reliable, making sure you can deploy it, that you can actually be either talking someone through on the phone how to fix it, because you've got to be sending you know operators out. If you've got to be sending techs out every two weeks to tweak the base station, so it's interesting from my understanding. You know, most like every major company is going down the slam path. Just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and even the new HCC headset, right? The Cosmos has slam tracking yeah. built in, and we'll see what. So that's going to be Valve, the winner, and Valve, I think what Valve does, like that'll be the winner. I guess. So the good thing is that. It's good and bad. It's pretty good for us and, and difficult for the competition is it's a bit like mountain climbing, like getting a technology stack is base camp. Like that's that. And a lot of people win on the way. I mean, you look at what zero latency's done, like even when we build our own proprietary tracking, the reason we did that is we looked at OptiTrack and it's like at that stage, it was like, you know, five or 600 grand Australian just for the cameras. And it's like, that's completely, it's just not going to work. No one can afford to buy that. So we built our own, you know, we proved the market. We led the charge. OptiTrack started getting a lot of orders and their prices came down. But, you know, you can still replicate a zero latency system off the shelf equipment, but it's still challenging to operate it well. I think to like the reason our customers come back and buy systems is, you know, we're here 24 seven, we're building content, we're working with them. You know, if their technology has problems or on the phone, that after support is really important. Also compelling content. Like I've played a lot of VR and there's a lot of it still, even though people can come to us or competitors and copy good ideas, it's still really hard and expensive to make good content. It's hard to make it feel fun and repeatable. Like all that stuff's a real big challenge. And that's sort of what you're stacking on top of that base camp. Plus, you know, I guess there's brand recognition. And then there's a lot of IP in the background that makes this possible. Like we have, like I watch competitors pop up all the time and sometimes I sweat and sometimes I'm like, oh, that's great because you're going to hit a brick wall with that, mate. So that's going to really hurt you in six to 12 months time. Yeah, um, And you can see that time and time again, because there's things that we have done we probably need to talk about them more, but it's also good to keep them a bit quiet. Like there's things that we've done and rabbit holes have gone down that are dead ends and you can spend a lot of time and money going down those rabbit holes. Yeah. 
so yeah, there's that element. And then also the competition, like we, we made a decision really like in March, Scott and I were like, right, we see this happening. We've got traction. We're not going to get an exclusive deal with these companies, nor are we, nor is it reasonable to ask for it. All we expect is to get a head start. Yeah. That's all we need yeah. because we're the fastest and we're the best at what we do. So we just want to be on the front foot with this. And we've seen the future and then having that validation of going, right, you guys see this as well. You're supporting this platform. Fantastic. That's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't need to worry about yeah. anymore. Let's yeah. get busy on the other stuff that we, we can bring value and, you know, which is really interesting. And I think it's also, you know, it's kind of the fun bits as well. You know, it's the content and the how do you link sites together and do leads. It's not as much, okay, how do we, you know, get three things and turn it into a backpack. Or- yeah. And one of the things I'm, I'll throw out here is that I think that one of the risks that I've talked about for a long time is for operators is, you know, how do you know when the right time to invest in a certain tra- technology is that you're not like, because you don't want to buy the thing on the end of the technology curve, right? And and this was, you know, to be totally honest, this is one of the challenges I think we had in the BD that I was mm-hmm. doing for you yeah. guys was I felt like, you know, I kind of knew that we were on the on the back end of that technology curve and people were paying a lot of money for technology that ultimately was going to be replaced by something yeah. a lot more cost effectively. And so now what you're doing is now people coming in, I'm just going to say this right to everybody watching. If you're thinking about getting into free roam VR, you know, for the last six months, I've been like, fucking hold off. Like, this is not the time to buy. I'm going to tell you right now, like, this is the time to buy because you're on the front end of a whole new technology curve. And this stuff's going to be good for several years before the next technology comes out. And if you can get into something that works now, you're going to be safe with your investment for the next several years. I think there's two elements to that. So how does your latency deal with that? Like mid last year, you know, we changed our commercial arrangements basically with a lot of deals with being signed, you know, and people are paying for exclusivity as an example, like, you know, locking down markets. That's yep. a big part of what Zero Latency does with a lot of its earlier partners. They want a piece of a market. They want to hold that. And that's that's fine. We've done that. Also allowing white labeling. We stopped all that. And we also lowered the price. We, we lowered the amount of packs that you needed. We changed the commercial model and also acknowledged that. And I think there's also yeah. another thing I'll throw out, which yeah. I, I talked about as well, is like being in the market, you're making money. Like you're starting to sell tickets. You're yeah, building yeah. your audience. The sooner you're in the market, the sooner you're building your commercial arrangement in your market. Yeah. And, and so there's actually an advantage to moving fast too, regardless of the tech stack. Yeah. Well, you, because the customers, yeah. well, you've got people who do are. Do they you know? know. It's also, that's the, so yeah, there's that. And then also with our existing Partners, we've gone out with a fantastic deal to, you know, do it below cost to yep. upgrade them. And that's an open deal for as long as, like, they can do that whenever they want. We're not going to put a window on that. It's about bringing them with us. We're still going to support Gen 1. Plus, you know, Gen 1, it still works. It's not just about the amount of pixels in the headset. It's about the content. It's about the GMs. It's about the operator's ability to run a business and market it and yep. get good rent and all that stuff that you just need to be able to do. It's not an ATM. It's about um, a ticketing system yeah, that t- does high yeah, conversion. Yeah, like there's yeah, a lot yeah, to there's, it. There's yeah. a lot. And, that, you know, we see that, you know, with the, with the high operators. They're the ones that are great at, you know, cross-selling and bringing people in and um, remarketing and everything. All that stuff's still relevant. Plus, mm. look, if you're a VR aficionado and, you you know, yeah, you're going to know that, that, you know, I tried, I've got a new Vive at home, zero latency OSBR stack is not as good. But for the vast majority of the people who are coming and who you want to be attracting, they just want to come and do something fun with their friends. Yeah. You know, it's... You know, people are still playing Time Crisis, you know, because for different reasons they would play a PlayStation at home. So it's not just about the technology. It's a whole bunch of other stuff as well. And, yes, it's good. You know, I agree with you. It's a, you know, and this technology is going to be certainly going to be there for some time, the new slam tracking. But I think that, you know, we're still seeing great, I guess, you know, great user scores and great throughput through the Gen 1 systems because it's not just about the tech. Yeah. And, I mean, increasingly people, I think, are realising that, like, they're selling, you know, when you look at the phone market, people are selling less about pixels and, and horsepower. It's now more about the experience and the ecosystem and how do I make all that work. Yeah. And increasingly the tech will be transparent. And I think increasingly people don't really, they don't really care. Like they, I, the, I think the, the people that come to zero latency that aren't the early adopters, 
like 75% of them hear about it through friends or through social media and yep. they've been told, hey, this is a fun thing to do. You should go shoot a zombie or you should go play Singularity or go play Soul Raiders or see if I can kick your ass. That is what's bringing people, not like, oh, you've got to try out the new HP headset. Yeah. It's yep. an enabler. Yeah, totally it's agree really, with that. Um, I totally agree with that. And, and I think people overblow the technology. The things that they focus on are resolution, which nobody really cares about. But do people do care about frame rate. So there's a question about frame yeah. rate. What frame rates, you know, were you getting on the old stuff? How are you seeing that? Is it changing in the new stuff? Because frame rate does make a difference, right? If there's one thing I think that you want to pay attention to in VR to make sure that there's a comfort factor. These questions? Yeah, I yeah, was, yeah. I, I, can, some, I can go to the star ones here and those touch to those. Um, frame rate, what's the frame rate? Is it changing? That was the first one. Yeah, frame rate. Like we target 90 frames a second, but you can go lower than that for brief moments of time without putting people off as long as the you just don't want to lose beats in your tracking. That's all your packet delivery. That's the bigger issue. Like, you know, you're having a high intensity explosion on screen, your frame rate going down to 30 frames a second. It's different to refresh rate, but your 30 frames a second in game frames is not a problem as long as it goes back up. It's more that, oh, I've lost 1,000 packets through the Wi-Fi network. Therefore, I've lost half a second of tracking. Therefore, I have traveled three meters without tracking. And therefore, I have smashed myself into somebody. That's yeah. a bigger issue than the frame rate thing. But certainly... The frame rates, the actual like frame rate refresh rate, the hertz on the OSVRs has been like good. It's like completely enough. And from what we're seeing as well with the Windows Mixed Reality stuff, it's, it's really good. It's interesting as well, like the OSVR, so it's, that's our Gen 1 headset that we work with Sensix to customize it for our needs because there is stuff that those older like fully enclosed headsets are not great for location-based VR. They are swampy in there and they're difficult to maintain and yeah. they, they don't work particularly well in high throughput physical experiences you're putting someone in for a, a tethered experience for you know a few minutes is different to walking through a space and sweating for 30 minutes but with these new headsets they're more suited for these needs without and, the customization and, and the windows you're using the the one i did was the hp headset yes. is that the one you're yeah. going to bring to market yeah, 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 absolutely. what is the resolution just to make sure people don't think you're dancing um, around that oh i can't remember know? to be honest but it's it's Vive Pro, yeah, yeah, or yeah, better, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're you're you know you're gonna push the push the envelopes yeah. on that. And then there's a question here. Andre's asking about six people in two thousand square feet. First of all, you you run eight player up to eight players. Yeah, um, eight players. But yeah. you mentioned like some more coming flexibility as far as yeah, size so, and so, configuration. So, so, what does Slam do for that? So there's two elements to that with with Gen two and sort of putting them together. So the issue is, can we get the price down and can we get an entry level price? And the answer is yes. With so let me wind that back a little bit. Talking about I guess Slam, what the impact of that is. At the moment, the flag for one player is high because you need all the cameras and outside tracking. And now you don't need that as much. You don't need to have... You can get one player in for a lot more cost-effective. So we're going to open with a 10-pack a 10 package, essentially, for 199000 US because I think that's enough technology for people to get into it. And then we can add more backpacks as you go. I mean, obviously, as part of the sales process, you talk to people about where it's going to be and, and how... Like you've got more people cleaning backpacks, you don't need as many. And there's a whole discussion, to be honest, around that. But be able to go to market and go, this is slam tracking. Like we're confident this is going to go mainstream. We're going to get people in front of 200K USD. This will get you set up. And then depending on the economics of your business, you can put in different, you know, put in different add-ons, which is really, really important. So then the other thing is people are like, look, it's really hard to get a 10 meter span. It's just difficult. So, and that's space between columns. So, yes, columns, so space right? between yeah. columns because buildings have roofs and columns hold up roofs. So Yes, I know it's unescapable, <laughs> unescapable. So what we've done is basically make a series of customized sizes, you know, just some smarts in terms of the content team. So now it can go down to eight by 16, just closer to 25 foot spans because it's not the length that's a problem. So that's another thing because, you, you know, people come on board, they get excited, then they try to find real estate. So making sure 
grab my calculator here. And you said eight by 16, that's meters, right? Yeah, so, okay. I, yeah, yeah. I'll do that for you guys. Don't worry about it. Keep listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Logan, the quests don't work in a multiplayer location-based environment, mate. You asked a question about 10 quests for 3,200. 3, like, I would love that to work, but it's yeah. not a thing currently. And that's the thing that we did. I don't know if you were in earlier, but like there's a, and there's a massive amount of drift in the quest and the, and the Vive focus. They just like you put a bunch of people. Yeah, that look like anybody can run a demo at a trade show. Right. And and so we've done one of the companies I do some work with, Hologate's been or Holodeck's been testing the, the Vive and the focus and and the quest and and they're just not ready for prime time i see see your comment logan you you can you can choose to believe me or not yeah trust you just need to trust me on that mate yeah it's not a thing at the moment yeah yeah so to avoid confusion so sebastian's got a question yeah Yeah. so we've tested eight players in our yeah 185 square meter like and also we've been customizing anyway people come to us and we've been just you know putting that into the mix anyway so eight players in that space it's good you know we were testing it the other day with our player versus player game which is super fast with good game design and good safety systems, it's plenty of space to put yep. eight players in. You know, like, don't get me wrong, if you could have an old Best Buy shell and have four people in that for two hours, that would be a better experience, but there's ain't no one going to make and, that money on that. So, and you've got that in Melbourne, like your first site in Melbourne, 4,000 yeah, 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 square yeah, yeah, feet, yeah, right? Absolutely, and, yeah, yeah, and, which is great, and people love that. It's but, just, but you're also running 200-square-meter games in the 400-square-meter yes, yeah, space yeah, yeah, too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's two, so for 199,000 USD, so it's always eight players, but from what we're seeing from some of our competition, plus the market saying, look, I don't necessarily feel I need 18 or 20 backpacks. Can I have less? Yeah. And we're responding to that by going, yes, you can, if you feel, and we'll walk you through and be really open with the data we have and giving you an understanding of what that is. But you get 10 packs, the equipment you need to run the game space. So we used to, just to wind that back for people that might not have dealt with us or done business with us, we very much at the start were like, right, turnkey package, everything you need. It comes in these two big black wrapped crates and Zero Lance employee unwraps them and sets it all up for you. And that's great, but that also only appeals to one bit of the market. Like we are moving, people are saying, look, why can't I buy a computer from Best Buy? The answer to that is there's compatibility issues and we need to better run software on them. But we have changed some of what we do in the back end and made it easier and just been more flexible. It's like, okay, we don't really want to ship a computer from Australia to America if we don't have to. So let's talk about how we get people buying things locally. And, and, and now that doesn't mean somebody can just go to Best Buy and buy any computer, strap no, no, it on no. a vest and no, no, put no. it in the arena, no, no. right? I just want to be clear. So, yeah, so talking more like we used to, for example, send a spectator machine, yep. which meant that you could watch it in the lobby. That's not necessary. But certainly the computer's on your back. I mean, we intend to be drop shipping as quickly as we can, but as we talked about at the start of the podcast, it's really important to not, like we want to make sure they work when they arrive and making sure that, you know, sending a specialist there to get you set up and get you comfortable and answer your questions is still a really important part of Zero Lancy's process because it's important that people feel, you know, that they have a connection to the company, that they meet people, that they're showing how it all works and can answer the questions. Yeah. I think in the future, there'll be drop shipping, absolutely. So there's a lot of questions about Quest. There's, you know, now what's happened is that there's, you know, question about tracking systems, and now we're getting into inside-out tracking and SLAM, yeah, and now yeah. there's, there's noise around Quest, and there's noise yeah. around Vive Focus. And, and so let's just talk a, a bit about the Windows system from your perspective versus the all-in-one headsets, which are based on mobile chipsets, yeah. right? And so for those, you know, Quest and Focus, are basically cell phones technology yeah. in an all-in-one headset. And I'm not demeaning them in any way. The 835 chipset's great. I think the 845 is going to be better. And the 855 with 5G is where that. I think that's the next, as a bit of a futurist, 
I talked about getting in on the curve, yeah. getting in now with the window system on inside out tracking makes a lot of sense, or even the Vive Focus. The next big one is going to be 5G yeah. and the 855 chipset, which is still a couple of years away. But but also as well, like anything with inside out tracking, like the drifting is real and the way that things move, like the bigger the space, it's I wouldn't say it's exponential. I haven't got the graph in front of me, but it gets more complicated in terms of making sure that tracking's working, yep. making sure it's consistent. And the more players you put in, that just it just makes it more and more difficult. And, so and and dangerous. Like and if, yeah, yeah. if you don't track the people accurately and they do run, and especially when you get into competitive games, yeah, you can't yeah. stop it. You can try. Yeah. People will bump into each other. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited about all-in-one headsets. I think they're going to come of age eventually. It's not going to be this year. It's probably not going to be next year um, yep. from what we can gather from the market and speaking to people. It's just not – the complexity is not there. Plus, you know, you think about, yes, you've got a Quest. It's got a battery. Like how long does your phone last when you're putting it at 110% graphical power? The answer is not very long. Yeah. It gets super hot. That, was a, gear, that was, was a Gear VR roller coaster problem. Like yep. there's still a lot of stuff in a prop in Bob's phone or general phones that needs to be solved before there's something into location-based entertainment. Yep. Plus, you know, if you want to get out of a room scale experience, look, I think they're great. I love the fact it's going down that path, but we're not there yet. And even yeah. just, and the idea of like, I have a dream that one day you'll be able to pick up a multifunction device and go and play, you know, PUBG at the park or whatever. But I think, we're way away from that, so even with five G. I debate that. I think it will, but I think people said that in yeah, the nineties, eighties yeah, yeah, yeah. about laser tag um, too. It's never, it never happened. <laughs> but I still think, like, also, you know, people want good graphics as well. Like, yeah. you, you've got to be able to push the envelope. And the more like people's bar for, like, if you're at home getting, yeah. I downloaded Fortnite for free. Look at the graphics, like, and that's why five G, yeah. like, the ability to stream three D, three hundred sixty degree environments stereoscopically. It's going to take 5G and 5G is not going to be rolling out for a couple of years in, in practical terms. Though there are some companies that are actually experimenting with it on local basis. So we'll see what that happens. But realistically, I don't think you're going to see the mobile. And the other thing I'm going to put a flag in the mobile headset conversation, the Vive Focus isn't great. Like I'm getting a lot of feedback from developers that are using it and they don't love it. The Oculus Quest is amazing, but Oculus does not give a fuck about location-based VR. They've hired one person in the entire organization who has that in their title, and I can't even get them to fucking show up at a conference. So I don't <laughs> actually think Oculus yeah. gives a rat's fuck despite showing Dead and Buried, which made a great media publicity yeah. stunt, but that's really what it was from my opinion. Not not to, like, I wish Oculus would, like, just get out of the echo chamber and put down the Kool-Aid because if they think that slam tracking is the barrier to entry for their headsets, they're tripping. It's not the problem. The room scale is too small. It doesn't, yep. it, people don't want it. I mean, you look at what moved the needle more than slam tracking for adoption of VR headsets was Beat Saber being on PlayStation yeah. because it's a compelling thing to do at home. It's a great yeah. game. Yeah. Like one dude made that because like throwing, rant in five seconds, but like throwing tens of millions of dollars at AAA studios to make console games for your headset is not a way to do it. Yeah. Like you've got to put it in the hands of innovators who are like, oh, you know what? I'm going to make this thing that no one's thought of. Like that's how your paradigm shift. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's how... You know, look, 10 years ago, if you said, you know, you're going to be able to actually make seven figures or eight figures playing video games online, you'd be laughed at. Yeah. And now you've got, you know, that's an industry. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not. And that didn't happen because YouTube showered cash onto on a Swedish dude. Like, it just happened organically. And that's increasingly yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, so. absolutely. And the last thing, Andre, your question, how you resolve drifting with the mobile headsets is you have to have a hybrid tracking system. You have to have something else other than that to lock down and to, and to provide that. And we've talked about that on another webinar. Go to my YouTube channel. Watch the webinar with the Holodeck guys. We go into that in great detail. Their head of development is actually writing their thesis on in RF and, and inside-out tracking. And they have a lot of information on that. And let's talk about Soul Readers. Yeah, sweet. So what is that? What is Soul Raiders? So Soul Raiders is our player versus player content. 
we're pushing real hard to turn that into a competitive sport. So what it is, is a game where it's teams of up to four by four and you're playing over three maps to essentially compete for this futuristic energy source. The, I guess the narrative conceit of it is we've become a trans interplanetary species and we basically exist by dropping these bots through these alien portals that can't take organic matter. So you're saying Elon Musk was successful yeah. ultimately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and he was actually an evil genius. Yeah, so, and essentially there's these alien portals and you're dropping these robots through these rifts, which is cool because that's why the bots keep spawning. And it's kind of nice to have, like, its backstory, but it's kind of cool to have a game that makes sense when you dig into it. So basically this game, it's competitive and it's been a really fun evolution. Like, we've been working on that game for 15 months. It's our most ambitious title, new creative director, a lot of new team members. It's been really, really refreshing to get that new stuff into the idea, into the system. And then, but before that, we spent six months doing all these tests. Like, the first time we did player versus player, we turned on all the backpacks in the building and we got to 13 before it. the transistor couldn't cope and we just went, right, turn on friendly fire in this 4,000-square-foot map. And um, it wasn't fun. It's just like if you're facing down with automatic weapons against another group of people, it doesn't last long. So we sort of refined it. We tried class-based stuff. We tried different maps, like different sort of moving platforms and all this stuff. And what we've landed on sort of flash forward is what we found with Soul Raiders is we got a great sort of shooter mechanic, like working with cover and kind of like shooting distances and getting that refined, but it still wasn't quite there. And then like, let's put in an objective and let's see how that, and it's a complete game changer. So the whole game is that you're either going after these data canisters, which are a static object that you've got to acquire, or you're moving these so-called balls. So it feels a bit like, like one level feels like basketball, it's super fast. You go bang, bang, you've got to pick up these things and move really quick. Some of them feel more like soccer where you've got to work as a team to push up these cores. But that dynamic's really important because it, it not forces in a bad way, but it does force social interaction because it's not about kills. It's about goal acquisition. And that's been an absolute game changer. And to watch Alpha Army, we call them, who are our basically volunteers and that come in and just test our games. They get a lot of free VR. They come in and test it. Switching that paradigm was just an absolute game changer. Yeah. So, um, and so one of the things that I talk it's about- It's payload, exactly. Payload in game terms. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. That's and, exactly and, what it is. And one of the things I talk about in game design that a lot of companies coming into the space just don't understand, one is game design, but two is like the idea of game mechanics and core loops. And so you've got multiple core loops in yeah, this yeah, game, yeah, which yeah. really drives repeat playability. And, and it's easy to play, it's easy to learn, but the ramp up as far as strategy is really, I found really compelling. Yeah. And I also think the thing is that people want social experiences. The research overwhelmingly says oh. people want social experiences. And just putting a bunch of people in VR without curating the social experience of why do they have to play together? Yes. If you could play laser tag by yourself with a room of 20 people and have fun, but you're playing by yourself. Yeah. In this game, you can kind of do that, yeah. but it's so much more fun yeah. to play as part of the team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like that increasingly, and we found that when we had one person in the game and we put two people in, just seeing that interaction, even as it is playing it, you know, in the early startup phase when you're pre-funding because you're doing it because you love it. It's massive. Having yeah. someone to talk to and then talking about the game afterwards is really, really important. I mean, that's, I think, so much what drives online games now as well, these, you know, smaller team games. You know, they're intense as well. Like those, you know, Battle Royale, it's, you know, it's an interesting medium. It's like it probably wouldn't, if you tried to sell that into EA four years ago, you probably laughed out of the room. It's like, no, I'm going to spend 30 minutes. If I get shot once, I go back to the lobby. People are like, crazy. That's the end of part two of this interview. Part three is up next.